You're listening to the Post-Apocalyptic Media Podcast, your source for all the latest post-apocalyptic news. Hey everyone, welcome back to this 59th episode of the Post-Apocalyptic Media Podcast. I'm your host, Sean, Senior Editor here at postapocalyptic.com. And uh, this week we have uh, everything from, you know, the normal news, news of stuff in our favorite genre. And also I have a couple reviews, a couple things that I watched this week that I wanted to talk about. One of them is actually pretty old. It's about six year old. It's about a six year old movie, but I thought I would talk about it because I absolutely love it. But we'll get to that in a second. First, let's get right into the news. Just boom, right off the bat. That's the way I like to do it, right? That's the way you like to listen to it, right? So, okay, let's go to the first thing. So we, we've actually had quite a few things this week, and I know I've never said that before, but it's true. We've, we've actually, actually had a, a few things. Uh, there's a new show coming out to Roku called Doomlands, and this is an animated series. It's, uh, it's kind of like, I don't know, so, some people are calling it Mad Max meets Cheers because the whole story is basically there's this mobile pub that's going through the wasteland serving alcohol to like mutants and raiders and stuff like that. So, you know, hilarity ensues, right? So it's supposed to be like a fun, it's a comedy. It's supposed to be funny. Um, It has very like, you know, very Rick and Morty vibes to it, but it's supposed to be kind of that aesthetic of Mad Max also in there. It looks pretty cool. I don't know. I, I, I looked at it and I haven't, you know, of course, watched any of them yet, but the uh, the fact that it's coming to Roku, I think is interesting. It seems like they're doing more and more, you know, original shows and, and the fact that everyone's doing post-apocalyptic stuff and they're all doing their own, you know, Netflix and Hulu and Amazon, they all have their own original Netflix, I mean, their own original post-apocalyptic stuff shows and uh it only makes sense that roku's kind of jumping on board for that too so that is something to look forward to so that looks like it's coming out on the 28th of january which will be this friday so just a couple days so that's pretty exciting uh let's go to the next little bit of new so this is actually a cool we uh tino is able to get an interview with hugh howie the, the the author of wool now wool is a uh, it started out as a short story, and then it became a novel, and then it became a trilogy. Um, he started it, uh, I think it was like 2009, 2010, something like that when this came out. Anyway, it, it's a it's a big, you know, it's a really, really popular, not only Wool the novel itself, but then the trilogy became super popular. So they're going to make a movie about it, and it's going to come out, well, a series about it, and it's going to come out on Apple+. Plus. Um, I think it's supposed to come out in, uh, in t- 2023. So I, I'm excited. I've never read the books. Tina has read all of them. She's a big fan. So she, you, you can imagine how excited Tina was to get this interview. You know, I mean, I, <laughs> I've been in those shoes many times and, and it's, uh, it's cool, you know, f- for the site also, you know, from that standpoint to get this interview. So if you're a big fan of Wool, if you're a big fan of Hugh Howie and, and his work, uh, check out this interview because he's, he's such a down to earth person. And this interview is great because, you know, it really shows that. I think Tina did some great interview questions. Uh, Just overall great interview. Definitely check that out. Um, We have have some weird news this week. I have to admit, like we have some two pieces of news 
that I wrote them up and I said, you know what, these are uh, a little crazy, a little on the crazy side. And this first one is about, there's a man who he's claiming, now I'm going to just give the, the overarching point of this first. This guy is claiming to be a time traveler from 2028. So he's like, he, I guess he went to 2028 and he's stuck there, but somehow he's posting to TikTok pictures of 2028. So, okay. So, in so his theory is that he's stuck there and there's a connection between, basically what it is, he's sending pictures of abandoned places in Valencia, Spain. And he's saying, this is all, you know, there's no humanity left. There's no humans left. Everyone's gone. Um, that this is just this crazy apocalypse and it's you know six years from now well he actually started doing this last year he he'd post on tiktok and he would say you know these videos of these places now i guess it's easy to do this you know we're in a pandemic there's lockdowns you know there's all this stuff that, that kind of keeps people away from public places right uh, I think it's probably even more strict in Spain than it would be like in America or, or Canada. Um, so he's going around to these places and he's taking video. Well, that's not hard, right? Um, and, and I see what he's doing. He's doing kind of like a role play account. You know, he's showing, he's saying, I'm a, I'm a time traveler. You, you know, he's playing this story. This is a story he's, he's, he's written in his mind and, or, you know, even maybe on paper and he's playing it out through TikTok. It's a really interesting concept. I mean, it's not the first time someone's done something, something like this, but I think it's interesting. What's crazy though, is he's garnered so much attention for it. He has 6.6 million followers on TikTok. I mean, if you're trying to build your TikTok, this is the, (laughs) this might be a hint right here. Just, you just have to do some kind of acting, uh, you know, some kind of like play type of thing. But so he's saying that he's from 2028. And originally when he started doing it last year, last February, it's been almost a year now. He said he was from, that he went in 2027, but he's been there a year now. So of course now it's 2028, but he says he's from this time. He's from 2020. He went to 2027. He started posting these things. So the fact is though, he says he has proof. Now the proof we're not sure of because he he just posts pictures and he says, here's proof. Like I'm in a museum in the in the back room or the you know the the restricted area of a museum and there's no one here. This is proof. Well, it's not really proof. I think, you know, I mean there are ways to do that. And also he's pretty creative with the the angles that he has for uh, you know, not showing people. What's crazy though is like he'll go in, you know, it's been a year and he'll go in a supermarket and there's still uh, stuff on the shelves, you know, that's not all rotted and, and moldy. Uh, there's still vehicles everywhere. There's still electricity. And most importantly, you know, more than anything else, he has internet access. He has, he has internet access to 2022. You know what I mean? Like, so from 2028 to, to 2022, somehow there's a connection. I mean, that's, how do you get that kind of speed? You know, that's, that's an upgrade that we don't have available on our, uh, service i don't think but it's it's uh you know i mean i think i would say most people who follow him i would hope know that it's a not that he's lying to people but that he's playing a part you know that he's playing a role um 
so th- from that aspect, it makes it interesting. I'd like to see how much further this goes, though, because he's he's not stopping anytime soon. And um, I don't know. It's like I said, it'd be interesting to see how the, where this goes. The guy's name, uh, his his uh, TikTok name. Oh man, I can't pronounce this. It's Unicoso Breviviente, which means only survivor in Spanish. Uh, so that is my completely butchered Spanish right there for this account. So go check that out. And I'll have a link, of course, in the in the notes for today. Um, next up, we have Snowpiercer Season 3, Episode 1. This isn't really news because, well, it is it is news because it just came out. Uh, it just came out on Sunday night. Was it Sunday? Yeah, I think it was Sunday night, maybe Monday. Um, and we, you know, I've been keeping up with Snowpiercer since the beginning. I've really loved it. Um, I, I've been writing reviews and, and recaps since the beginning. And uh, I don't know. I, I just, this time, it, we decided to get someone else to do it. I know I've said on this show before that I was going to do the recaps, but uh, I said, you know what? I can't do it. <laughs> I can't. I can't do this and Walking Dead. Walking Dead comes out in a month. And so Tina's doing it. Tina's going to be, well, she wrote up her first one, review and recap of, uh, of season three, episode one of Snowpiercer. Um, I did watch the episode. I really did like it. It's, uh, it's very, it just kind of goes along with, you know, what the show has been about so far, which is action, uh, intrigue, you know, both sides playing against each other, just backstabbing and, a lot of that kind of stuff. You know, if you like that that kind of stuff, it's this is definitely for you. Now, the interesting thing is we're to the part in this show now where there's two trains separated, right? We have Layton's train and Mr. Wilford's train. Mr. Wilford's train is much bigger. Uh, it's hard to, to keep it powered, so they're having problems with how, how cold it is on the train. Layton's train, on the other hand, you know, they're wearing... They're wearing T-shirts, you know, and cut off sleeves and stuff like that. And they're just, you know, it's like a it's like a sauna in there and they're loving it because they just have a, a smaller train. So the, you know, Mr. Wilford's side is him still trying to take control of everything. He's basically chasing down late and they're trying to get that part of his train back because he wants that engine. He wants that other engine so that he can power, you know, the entire train and get the climate control back. Right. Uh, but Leighton and his group are looking for Melanie. They're, Melanie, of course, was Jennifer Connelly's character. She's the, you know she's been there since the beginning. She's been missing last few episodes since last season, and a lot of people think she's dead. But they're holding out hope. A lot of people are saying, you know, she might be still alive. And I think a lot of it is they're trying to keep uh, Alex, her daughter. They're trying to keep her um, positive staying positive about the fact that her mother might still be alive because they don't know they haven't found a body you know they just know that they can't find her and that the last they saw she was standing in the middle of the snow screaming out for alex while the train passed him by and alex is looking out the back window screaming for her mom so you know we know where uh where these two trains stand we know how this plays out from here right one is a rebellious train um, looking for the research that Melanie was starting about a warm spot on the earth. Cause that's the big thing is they're trying to find a warm spot so they can get off the train and finally have a colony and then start living again. And then, you know, Mr. Wilford's side is 
I mean, he's kind of also looking for that, but he just wants to stop Layton. You know, he wants to get that engine back. So it's almost like it's a race to find that area where they can get off the train. Um, but in the meantime, Wilford's trying to survive by uh, by getting this other engine. Um, I, you know, I think it's it's pretty cut and dry who the good guys and the bad guys are at this point. Although there's good guys on one train and bad guys in the other train, you know, both sides. Because Layton's train has uh, prisoners and so does Wilford's uh, train. They have a rebellion, you know, it's led by Ruth and Pike. And they're, they're leading this rebellion against Wilford on his train. And then on Layton's train, they have uh, Audrey and Sykes and that one guy, I forgot his name. So th- they're kind of, Audrey's actually kept in a, a cell. You know, they keep her prisoner. Uh, and I won't get into too many spoilers, uh, you know, how this goes. But there's fights, you know. There's little battles. There's some surprising stuff that happens. There's a nice scene, uh, speaking of surprising things, I don't think this is really a surprise because they showed it on the trailer, but there's a survivor. There's another survivor out there. So there's this whole scene where Ben goes out and he gets, he has the stuff he's bringing back to the train. He falls through what a, I guess is a skylight in a skyscraper or a, some kind of building. The very top of it, you know, I mean, that's how deep the snow is. Um, it's covering the top of this building. I don't think it's a skyscraper. I think it's just like a regular building, but he's walking along the top of it. You can't see the building because he just thinks he's walking on snow and he falls through and he lands in this building, in this room, and he hurts himself pretty bad. It's a pretty, pretty, uh, you know, high fall. Um, So Leighton and Josie come to rescue him and Leighton goes down there. They, you know, bring him back up and Josie's bringing him back to the train and uh, Leighton decides to explore this building that he fell into that uh that ben fell into so he actually finds another survivor in there another person is surviving and he finds like this power there's power in there there's the person has oxygen i believe it looks like they have some kind of machine that gives them oxygen and uh, warmth and that he hooks up to because Leighton actually hooks up to it too um but yeah i don't i don't want to get too far into spoilery stuff but it's interesting to find another survivor that not only gives you hope that there might be others. I mean, this person was uh, smart enough to set up their own kind of survival area. They knew what they were doing, obviously. So there might be others, right? Also gives you hope that Melanie might be alive, right? I think, well, I don't think that they're trying to make us think that this person is Melanie because they're all covered up. They have a, a helmet on and all that stuff. You can't see their face. I don't think we're supposed to believe that it's Melanie, um, but it's just a whole entirely new person. So that's exciting to see how that plays out. It's exciting to see, you know, Leighton keeps having these dreams about this tree. It's like crazy looking tree. It, lo- it almost looks like it's in Africa or something, the way the tree is. I think I've seen those um, types of trees there. But, it, you know, it's it's cool that he keeps having these visions about this warm area with plant life and all that. and And so that's, you know little bit of a foreshadow uh, of what's to come too so yeah so i'm excited to follow this along watch the rest of the, the season i won't be writing the recaps but i'll probably be talking about them here when i do watch them so you have that to look forward to right all right uh, another piece of news this is actual news not a review 
is there's a new show coming out on sci-fi called The Ark. I've said before that I'm not a big fan of when when uh, shows or anything, any kind of media, reuses very, very basic overused names like The Colony. <laughs> you know, The Colony was a great show. I loved it. But just think of a different name. So The Ark, come on, The Ark, really? So The Ark is a new sci-fi show that is supposed to be coming out from the writer, uh, the writers of Stargate and the writer of uh, Independence Day. Uh, his name is Dean Devlin. Devlin is such a, it's like a sci-fi, you know, writer, producer uh, name that a lot of people know. But because he's written, and he wrote like Godzilla and all the Stargate, Stargate stuff, the movies and the series and all that stuff. Um, <clears throat> he's actually joining together though with another... Uh, writer that was on Stargate named Jonathan Glasner. So those two are getting together to write the arc, and it's it's going to be twelve episodes. It's coming to Sci-Fi now. They're they're going to start filming it, or at least pre-production in Serbia next uh, not next month in March. So we know it's coming to Sci-Fi. We know it's Devlin and Glasner together, um, and they have a pretty good proven you know track record. They did Stargate. They did uh, The Outpost for CW. That was another show they did together. So I think a lot of people, a lot of Stargate fans especially, are excited for this um, because it means probably the same type of show, you know, And but it's going to be... So the arc is, I guess, to give like a little premise about the whole thing, what I know about it, it's supposed to be set 100 years in the future. There are all these different spacecraft that have left Earth, you know, looking for a new planet um, to start a new colony, to continue humanity. Um, and they're all called arcs, which is, you know, a play on Noah's Ark, of course. And th there's one called Ark One, and it runs into problems. It not only has life support problems with the supplies on board, but it also has um, leadership problems. They're having, you know, everyone's bickering on board, which happens in every one of these shows. So how do they survive? How are they going to get to their destination? Um, they say they have a year left before they reach their destination. So that's a little bit of time. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's definitely a little bit of time, but it's, it's a little bit of time to try to figure out how they're going to do things, how they're going to survive. Are they going to land on a different planet? Are they going to take over another arc? I, you know, I don't know. I'm just completely speculating. But <laughs> that's the, the premise of this entire show. All right. Now. One other thing I want to talk about before I get into the upcoming stuff. Uh, I saw a show, a movie, this week um, that I really liked. And it, it's called The Lobster. It, I think it came out in 2015. And it stars Colin Farrell, uh, Rachel Weisz, um, a couple other couple other uh, actors that I'm sure you've seen before. But they're, they're kind of the two main characters. So... It's a it's a crazy crazy show. Like it, if you like movies like uh, Being John Malkovich or Punch Drunk Love, or what else? I mean, even kind of Napoleon Dynamite. Although Napoleon Dynamite is goofy, and I, I, you know, I'm not saying anything bad about it. I absolutely love that movie. But um, you know what I mean? Like quirky, kind of off center. You know. I mean, it's it's a comedy. The Lobster is kind of a comedy. It has some. I mean, I laughed out loud. There were laugh out loud moments. And if you know me, that's a big deal <laughs> because there, I will chuckle 
but to laugh out loud and and when i laugh out loud on tech you know and type i just type laugh out loud and i'm i'm literally just straight faced i mean I, I think everyone does that um but to actually like my wife and i were watching this and she loved it too and it's just it had some moments where i was like what so here's the premise of the show colin farrell he's this guy who um he recently recently got divorced and he lives in this dystopian society and that's the post-apocalyptic part right here uh you know very handmaid's tale kind of an alternate um like slight future i don't think it's supposed to be futuristic but it's supposed to be like an alternate you know two years from now kind of thing or five years from now um and so he he he's single again right so because he's single in this dystopian society, it's a bad thing. Single people are the worst thing in the world and they need to be paired up with someone immediately. So they have to go to like this camp thing, this training center. And he has to be, he has 45 days to be paired up with someone. Um, they have to find someone who's compatible with them and they have to do it um, or else. Now here's the kicker. This is why it's called the lobster. I'll explain it in a second. If they're if they're not paired up with someone in 45 days, they get taken into this transformation chamber and turned into an animal. And they actually get to choose what animal they want to be. So when Colin Farrell gets there, he uh, they ask him. They do a little you know entry interview and they say, "What kind of animal would you like to be changed into?" And it's so matter of fact, which is kind of the whole you know the whole whole show is like that where it's just like everyone says these crazy things that if you said today people would be like what are you talking about but in this show they say them like they know it's just normal so he's like yeah i want to be a lobster because lobsters live to be 100 years old and they're very fertile fertile for their whole um existence and also he said they're they're blue-blooded like aristocrats I don't know what that meant, but so that's, you know, that's the one he picked and the, and the people were like, oh, okay, that's a good choice. Yeah. Most people pick like dogs or cats and he's actually there with his brother who is a dog. Um, his brother couldn't pick someone, couldn't match up with someone in 45 days. So they turned him into a dog. So he went there with his brother, with the dog. Um, everyone needs a good, you know, uh, dog movie, right? Uh, buddy dog movie so that's kind of what it where it's at right there we see him uh as he's starting his program you know they they make sure that uh he, he follows very strict rules everyone is very dry and they're talking and so here's the here's the thing and this is what really i don't want to sit here and go over the entire thing because i think that uh and, you know the movie's six years old but i think it well I guess it's seven years old now, uh, but it's so uh, it's so old that I think I can give a little bit of spoilers. So I'll give a little bit. I, I don't want to give away the ending, but uh, you know I'll give a few spoilers. So here's the thing that gets me about this movie, kind of what I think is the the overall message. Uh, first of all, they're trying to say in the dystopian society that single people are bad and that you're you're not worth anything unless you're in a relationship. But to get in that relationship, you have to match up with someone based on very just ridiculous similarities. You know, think they're so excited about things they have in common. People are getting married over having nosebleeds. Like they're like, oh, you have a nosebleed. I have a nosebleed too. Let's get married. 
or you're nearsighted, I'm nearsighted also, let's get married. Um, seriously, these are in the movie. Uh, and what's crazy about it is like, so for the nosebleed guy, there's this girl who has nosebleeds, like constant, you know, chronic nosebleeds. So this guy busts his face. <laughs> the first time he does it, he's in a pool and he punches himself in the face. And then he's like, oh, I have a nosebleed. Oh, look at we have so much in common. And the girl's like, oh, oh, okay. Well, you must be the one. And then they get married. Now, I'm not doing this justice because that is hilarious if it's <laughs> if you watch it in the movie, but not the way I describe it. Um, and then there's other people who like like butter biscuit cookies, whatever they call them. And, uh, you know, there's this lady who loves them and there's this guy. So they're like, oh, okay, well, we like the same kind of cookies. Um, so Colin Farrell, he is nearsighted. He's wearing glasses and he, and they're trying to make that like his, his thing. You know, he has to find someone who's also nearsighted. And he does in Rachel Weiss later on, but I'll get to that part in a second. Uh, there's another one. Oh, he tries for a while. He gets pretty desperate toward the end He's only like seven days out before he's turned into an animal. <clears throat> and he meets this woman who is cruel, just absolutely cruel. And she's crazy. She's very mean. And he's like, well, I'm going to pretend to be mean so that she will think we have something in common. We can get married. So that's kind of where he's trying to get his exit strategy. So he does stuff to make her think he's cruel and he, he ups it every time. Like one time he kicks this little girl in the shin and uh, and then she comes back and she kills his dog, right? I mean, and his dog is his brother. And so he's trying to act like he doesn't care. He's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, that, that's, yeah, totally. I understand why you did that, you know? And she's like, yeah, I killed your dog. What are you going to do about it? But he had to keep up this, this uh, charade so that she would eventually marry him. I don't know why. I don't. But it, it's such a, a a statement. I think now I'm going to get deep here. <laughs> get ready on the post apocalyptic media podcast. I'm going to get deep here about relationships. Um, I am. <laughs> I'm happily married now, but at one time I was divorced, uh, and I I've found in my 46 years that this movie is is incredibly accurate when it comes to how people view relationships. And I think the writer of this, I forgot his name. He's a Greek um, writer, producer, but he uh, he's very accurate and, he, and it's, it's a parody. You know what I mean? It's a parody of relationships. It's a parody of how people think that they're not worth anything, anything unless they're, you know, in a relationship. And for you to, to find one little thing and say, that is the thing we have in common. Let's get married it's ridiculous, right? And then later you find out, well, that thing isn't enough to build an entire family on. You know what I mean? So I think that happens quite a bit. I think that's a really common thing. I, some people make their way through it. They might uh, compromise, and and if you you know if you're a well-rounded person, you'll figure out how to how to uh, work together to build your relationship together. That's what it's all about, right? But it doesn't work for everyone, and that's you know that's fine. So that's that's how the 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 main plot of this movie was playing out where he you know he he just he was so tired of it like he's so it's so jarring to have to live your life like that and so later on he escapes this is actually uh, at some point he escapes because things aren't working out for him he this lady this hateful lady who he was trying to get married and escape with it wasn't working out so he's down to the wire and he's just escaped well when he gets out 
he finds this group of people, which he actually knew about these people before they live out in the woods. They're the people who have escaped um, this compound. And early, so earlier in the movie, they make the single people hunt these escapees. They bring them out for this hunt. And if they can nab some escapees, they actually get a little bit more time added to their 45 days. So that was so that was an introduction to this group of people out in the woods. So anyway, he escapes, he goes out in the woods, he finds this group of people, and they're ironically, they're the same mindset, except you have to stay single. Their whole idea is you have to stay single. Well, whereas the compound was you have to get you know, you, you can't be single. That's the worst thing in the world. Well, this one is like, you have to be single. You These people out here can't dance with each other. They can't uh, get in a relationship with each other. Nothing like that. You have to just do things to survive out here and also sabotage the, the compound at the same time. So, <laughs> so he finds Rachel Weiss out there. And of course, he falls in love with her. And she likes him also. And they they kind of find every excuse they can to uh, kiss or, you know, share their feelings with each other, things like that. And it becomes this whole other problem. Well, I think what's interesting about this is the, uh, the, the writer was pointing out the irony of leaving one extreme situation to just fall into the other side of that extreme situation. You know what I mean? And I think that's a, a, a good statement for the way things are in politics and different groups like that where you you want to get away from what you think is the worst thing in the world only to find yourself on the opposite side of that which is just as extreme and just as nutso (laughs) Um, and then you're like well it's fine at least I'm not those guys but you kind of are on you know you're like the mirror image of that and, and it's it's ridiculous so that was a cool statement about that, about how people jump from one extreme to the other. Um, then the whole relationship thing I mentioned, but yeah, then it gets to the point where you know he's he's trying to find his find out how he can spend more time with Rachel Weiss's character, and the end is crazy. Again, I won't spoil it. It's uh, it's crazy. It's it's made to really make you think. You know, there's no definite like this is what happened to them the end you know they all live happily ever after it's kind of like we don't know what happened to them at the end um the final shot of the film is one minute of just (laughs) rachel weiss sitting in a in a booth um and it's it's jarring but it's incredible and i i really like this movie i think it was like i said i had laugh out loud moments it really makes you think it's a deep movie that speaks so much about society and uh you know it's supposed to be a quote-unquote alternate society but i think it has some parallels uh yeah i I really liked it i think i would recommend it to anyone out there who enjoys quirky you know quirky shows like i said you know being john malkovich and punch drunk love and handmaid's tale i would say although this is more of a, a has some funny moments in it handmaid's tale does not (laughs) Um, yeah, so I would say if you if you like those kind of things, dystopian, crazy stuff, definitely check this out. If not, if you're like the kind of person who, who doesn't like anything dark, 
don't watch this because you won't you won't get it. My wife went to work the next day after we watched it, and she asked people at her work, um, "Hey, did you see the lobster? Do you guys like that?" And they're like, "That was a horrible movie. What did it even mean? What happened at the end? Why why would you like that movie?" So, yeah, it's it's very it's very contrasty. <laughs> it's you know you either like it or hate it. But I hope someone out there listening to this maybe has seen it and they can uh, maybe you know comment on this and let me know how you liked it. Or if you haven't seen it, I haven't spoiled it too much for you and you can go check it out. Um, It's really good, really good movie. All right, I think that is probably it. Um, Let's see what's upcoming for the week we have. I've talked about these before, I think last show, but I like to, you know, I like to double up a couple weeks out. Um, The 28th, which is next Friday, will be All of Us Are Dead on Netflix. That's the name of the show. It's a show about kids who are trapped in a high school, I believe, and there's zombie, you know, the zombie apocalypse happens in the school. Like I think it happens in the science lab. And, uh, and so they're, they're trying to survive that. Uh, Raised by Wolves season two is coming out on the third, which is, uh, it's a week after that. Yeah, it's the following week. And then February 4th, I'm going to talk about this again probably next week because, yeah, it'll be coming up. Uh, I'll record again before the 4th. But February 4th, Dying Light 2, the game. Moonfall, which looks really good, although it's only going to be in theaters, I think. So I'm not going to be able to watch that because I'm not going to a theater. What? Who does that anymore? And then uh, Last Survivors, which is that movie with the, the father and son surviving and uh, Lisa Silverstone's in it. I've talked about it 20 times. That's coming out uh, on the 4th also. So we have the game, Moonfall, Last Survivors, all on the 4th. Exciting times. Uh, and of course, after that, we've, you know, a little bit further down the month, we have Horizon Forbidden West, which is a PlayStation exclusive that, oh, I, I'm not going to buy a PlayStation just for this game, but I might. I might do it. Um, it probably won't even get my hands on a PlayStation 5 at, at that point, but it's a PlayStation exclusive. It looks incredible. I would love to play it, but I don't have a PlayStation. Um, that's coming out. They've been talking a lot about that this week. There's some new trailer came out. Uh, I think it was IGN. One of those big sites did a review of it. I think they played like four hours of it and did a really cool review. So yeah, that is a highly anticipated game. Uh, we all look forward to that. Uh, in the end of the month, we have, uh, I think it's the 20th, is Walking Dead coming back for their next part of their last season, season 11. I will definitely be talking about that. You can bet on that. Um, there's a lot of other stuff coming out, too. There's Attack on Titan is going on right now. Snowpiercer, of course, is going on. Um, you know, when Walking Dead comes, it's going to be quite a springtime, I'd say. But I think that's all from me for this week. I've talked your ear off and I've told you my thoughts on too many shows. (laughs) But yeah, like I said, I hope you at least check out The Lobster if you haven't already. Check out Snowpiercer. Um, You know, check out all the new stuff that's coming out this week, next week. Next week's a big one. And uh, yeah, I appreciate everyone listening and I will talk again next time. But until then, make sure that you stay safe. Stay alive out there and always be ready for the big one. Bye-bye.